0: Church, Jesus' saving work on the cross makes every day a glorious one. Stand up and join us.
1: I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. Till I met you I was breathing But not Alive All my Failures I Tried To hide It was My tooth Till I met you you call my name
0: in my right.
1: Saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name.
0: my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your
1: glorious day my sin was heavy but chains break at the wave of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven
0: Well, I was broken You were my healing
1: Now your love is the end I'm breathing I have a future My eyes are open Cause when you call my name.
0: Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you call my name, and I ran out of that grave.
2: I'm so full.
3: You're full. I'm twice as full.
2: I'm
4: so full. I'm stuffed like a turkey. I am so full. I will now explode all over the room.
2: That is no way to talk. But I'm glad you're
3: full. Mm. I'm so full. I can't move.
2: I'm so full. I'm going to sleep here.
4: I'm so full. It almost hurts like this.
2: I'm full,
3: and it feels so good.
0: Full. Fuller.
3: Fullest. Fully Fullerton fool.
4: So, who's ready to eat? Uh,
3: way to break the moon, Bomb. But I won't say no. Never said no to a good
4: meal. I could eat three pounds of turkey, four pounds of stuffing,
2: and this pumpkin pie. I could eat four pounds of turkey, five pounds of stuffing, six pounds of cranberry sauce, and two pies.
3: Oh, come on. No one can eat six pounds of cranberry sauce.
0: You guys, save room for pie.
3: (laughs) Pie eating contest, anyone? No, thank you. (laughs) Nothing like a good meal when you feel full
2: full of gratitude father
3: so full of gratitude
4: you can't be full of gratitude okay there's always room for more gratitude don't don't interrupt me daughter sorry (laughs) (laughs) just have
2: long hair (laughs) well i don't know things could be better i could have a bigger room and a better sister
4: slightly less hairy.
3: (laughs) I could definitely
1: have more time in each day.
4: You know what? I already have so much. You're right. The cup isn't half empty.
3: It isn't even half full. It's pouring out all over the place.
0: I'm full of something right now. Joy of
2: being with you all. Good one. Joy. I am full of happiness because Christmas is in a month. New car?
4: Yeah. Well, I'm full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, You are a fruit of the Spirit. Uh-huh.
3: I'm full of peace, knowing God is always with me, even at work. I'm full of hope, because I know God has a plan for us.
2: <sighs> I'm full of something, but I don't want to say it.
3: Thank you. We're your family. You can tell us anything.
0: We're full of love for you. What's wrong?
2: Well, I'm full of shame. I'm flunking algebra. We're
3: flunking algebra?
2: <laughs> Why didn't
3: you tell us? But we can help you.
2: Well,
4: I know one thing that could help. What is that? Do you know that God is full of mercy? That's not. But God's full of mercy. He loves you no matter how you do in your math class or your science class or your history class or PE or on the basketball team. All the things you're not really good at.
2: At least people like me. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Maybe add that to
3: the list. That's right. I'm not always the best father or husband I want to be, but God forgives me and helps me to do better.
4: And even when I'm too
3: busy to spend time with him in prayer or reading the Bible, he's always ready to reach out to me.
4: He's full of grace and mercy for us
2: all, even you. I'm so full. Of shame? Of thanks that we have a God like that and a family like this. Even my annoying sister.:
3: <laughs> I'm so
4: full. I'm fulfilling all fullness. I'm infinity and beyond full. Okay, brother, let's not get carried away. I think it's time to tell God how full we are. Maybe thank Him, perhaps. Let's pray.
2: Well good morning everyone, I'm uh, Pastor Dave and um, we're continuing our series on John the Baptist this morning. If you would uh, stand with me as we read from the Gospel of John and I'm reading chapter 1 verses 19 through 27. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. That ends the reading. Please be seated. Well, if you were not with us uh, last week, we started a series on John the Baptist and uh, John the Baptist was sent by God, and he was sent by God with a very particular message. Uh, the Jewish people had not had a prophet for many years, hundreds of years, actually, since the prophet Malachi was on the scene, and it had been a long period of time, and now John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's, he's got a message, and his message is to get ready because the Messiah is coming. The Messiah that has been promised long ago is coming, and so repent and be ready. And so uh, this morning, we looked at, last week we looked at how John was sent with this this kind of particular mission, and that we all kind of can be on a similar mission, mission of spreading the news about the Messiah. And so this morning, I want to look at at some of the things that John actually told us about himself, and then beyond that get to a point where we're talking about okay not just what do we learn about john but so what because anytime we look at uh, anything from the bible it's not just important that we learn the truth god has for us but we need to also learn what that means in our life and so the first thing john tells us is who he is you see uh, john comes on the scene and he attracts a lot of followers he gets so many followers that the, uh, the Jewish religious leaders and even the Roman who are in charge at the time are nervous because they're worried that John has so many followers that he could actually take over. He could take over the Jewish religious establishment and he could even possibly overthrow the Romans because he has this whole group that's following him. And so they, they come to find out, hey, who are you? Are you the Messiah? And he says, no. I'm not the Messiah. And then they think, could you be Elijah? You see, the Jewish people believed that Elijah was coming back, right? We have a lot of kids here. Can any of the kids tell me what happened to Elijah at the very end? What happened to Elijah? You don't know? You just like to raise your hand. What happened to Elijah? Any of the kids remember the story? What about my big kids up in the balcony? Chariot of fire, that's right, Malachi, right? And so, yeah, Elijah, at the end of his life, he leaves in a chariot of fire. He goes up into heaven. He doesn't die. And so the Jewish people believed that Elijah would come back. They believed that Elijah would come back with a message for them. And so when John the Baptist is on the scene and he starts preaching this message of repentance, they're like, maybe it's Elijah, Maybe it's the Messiah, or maybe it's the prophet, and he says, no, I'm not any of those things. He says, I am the voice of one who cries out in the wilderness to make straight the way for the Lord. Now, to um, understand that, you would have to know that it's a, it's a quote from Isaiah, right? He's quoting Isaiah 40 verse 3. And also we have to understand a little bit about the, the culture and the history of the day. So, so back in this time period, um, roads were typically built when a new ruler would come in. So uh, there'd be a new king or a ruler and he's coming to an area and they would make roads, they would make straight paths so it's safe and easy for the king or ruler to travel. And so when he says, I'm here to make straight paths, he's basically saying, I'm preparing the way for a king to come on the scene. I'm preparing the way for a ruler, a great leader who's coming to be here. And so John the Baptist is saying, listen, I'm not that important, but I'm preparing the way for someone who really truly is. See, John was a little different. Um, Back during this time period, a religious leader, when when he would gather followers, he would tout his credentials. He would say, hey, I was taught by this person, and, and I adhere to these rules specifically. And John wasn't like that at all. In fact, John was very different. We, we read in uh, Matthew that John wore a garment of camel hair. Anyone wear camel hair garment? No? Yeah, probably not a lot. Even as cool as it is today, you, you do have a camel hair garden. All right, that's excellent. All right. Yeah, we don't wear a lot of camel hair. It's unusual. And we find out he ate, he had a weird diet. He ate locusts and honey. He wandered around the wilderness. John was an unusual fellow. And he's not touting. He could have said things about himself. His father, Zechariah, was a priest of some renown. He could have said, listen, I'm the son of Zechariah. He could have said, hey, the Messiah who's coming, that's my cousin. John could have touted all these things about himself, but instead... He simply says, I am the voice that cries out in the wilderness and makes a way straight. I'm making a road. I'm paving the road for the Messiah to be here. And another thing that's important to understand about John is that, you know, John actually is going against Jewish tradition far before Jesus did. See, we we have this tendency to think of Jesus and Jesus comes on the scene, right? And he kind of takes the religious establishment and he turns it on its head. And he preaches the message of the gospel and he basically tells us, listen, following all these, you know, 630 religious Jewish laws, we can't, that's not the way to do it anymore. He preaches a message of grace. But John, even before that, kind of breaks the religious tradition, not just with how he dresses and acts, but he kind of starts these whole new tradition. In fact, when we tells us why he came, he says he came to baptize. He came to baptize with water. Now we have to understand that in this period in time, there was a lot of uh, washings, Jewish ceremonial washings. Some of them just made sense, like they would wash their hands before they eat. Kids, do you wash your hands before you eat? We're gonna, you don't, okay. All right, we're gonna have a Thanksgiving meal, and hopefully, you guys, you know, you shook a lot of hands today, you passed the peace. You probably should wash your hands before you eat, right? That's just good, smart. And, and in Jewish religion, in their culture, they had a lot of ceremonial washings, not just before meals, but they would have to wash before they would enter the temple. And the idea was that water cleans you, not just physically. But the idea was that water cleaned you spiritually. It prepared you for the holiness of God. But they never practiced full baptism. That was not something they did in Jewish culture. With one exception. They would do a baptism when you were converting from one religion to another. When you were completely changing your religion, that's when they'd have a baptism. So if you were a Gentile and you decide, hey, I'm going to convert to Judaism... To symbolize that, they would have a baptism. And it was very similar to the symbolism that we would talk about. You know, you're you're dead in sin, and you're alive in Christ. They would say, you're dead to this religion, but you're alive now in your new faith, Judaism. And so when John is going around, and he's baptizing people, this is is a direct affront to the, the Jewish establishment and leaders of the day. They're saying, wait, are you starting a new religion? Why are you doing this? And that's why they were were curious. They wanted to know what is going on with this guy. He's weird. He eats weird things. He dresses funny. People are following him. They were nervous. They wanted to know what was going on. They wanted to understand this better. And John truly was. He was upsetting the Jewish culture and establishment of the day. And he says, When he's giving his message he says listen I came to baptize with water And as he goes on What we're going to get into a little bit next week Is he says listen there's someone else coming Who's going to baptize With the Holy Spirit There's someone else coming And he's going to baptize you In a whole new way He's going to take This concept of repentance And he's going to give you the gift Of the Holy Spirit so that you can be full full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's going to give you something that is going to change you from the inside out. So John really was, before even Jesus, preaching and giving a message of grace. Saying, listen, this lifestyle of finding acceptance in God by obedience doesn't work. It doesn't work. But what does work is embracing the love of the Messiah who's coming and allowing him to give you his spirit. And then he's the one that changes you. And so John, John starts with this, with this new message and people are attracted to it. John then goes on and he, and he tells us where he stands compared to Jesus. And this is, again, another um, kind of Jewish cultural reference. He says, listen, there's somebody coming. I'm baptizing with water, but there's somebody coming the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Now, you have to understand that um, that in Jewish culture, the lowest servant in any household, I mean, the lowest servant was the person in charge of taking care of the shoes, Right, right, kids, feet are kind of stinky, right? Have you ever smelled stinky feet? All right, well, imagine this. Imagine, imagine that you were in a, a place where everyone had stinky feet because there are no roads, right? Just dirt, dirt paths. The roads are built out of dirt. So people are walking around in mud all day in sandals. And then when they would get to your house, they would take their sandals off and there was someone in the house that was in charge of taking care of the dirty sandals. Right? Anyone want that for a job? No. no, I didn't either. Yep. And so John the Baptist is saying, listen, I'm doing this message and I'm and I'm talking about repentance. But somebody is coming who is so much greater than me that I am not even worthy to untie the straps on their sandals. The dirtiest and worst job he could think of, he says, listen, I'm not even worthy to do that job for Jesus. And so he is taking and he's he's setting the table, he's preparing a way for people to embrace this Messiah, saying as much as they're embracing the message of John and they're excited and people are gathering and they're following him, he's saying, listen, something better is coming. And so what the reason that, John the Baptist gets so much attention and credit is because he does a really good job at pointing people to Jesus his whole mission is is not to to teach a message per se his whole mission is one thing it's to prepare the way and point people to Jesus and spoiler alert we're going to talk about this next week but he does such a good job that as soon as he sees Jesus for the first time all of his followers leave him and immediately go follow Jesus. So John has this whole message and his whole purpose is to point people towards this Messiah that's coming. Point people towards Jesus. And so when we we look at this, We can learn these truths about John. We can, we can understand that, that he flipped this religious culture, that he was starting something new and it was irritating people. We can understand a little bit about his background, but all that stuff is just, is just knowledge and it's good. It's good to have. But the important thing is, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? What is it that God is calling us to? Because I don't think God is calling us to wear camel skins. I don't think God is calling us to eat locusts. I don't think God is calling us to baptize people like John did. But the thing that God does call all of us, in fact, he commands us to do, is to point people to Jesus. Right? That's something that all of us can do, and all of us, in fact, Jesus himself asks us to. His very last thing he asks us for is to point people to Jesus. And when I talk to people about this, a lot of times people are like, but, you know, Pastor Dave, I don't, I don't know the words to say. I don't know what I should say. I I don't know how to evangelize to someone. Well, I'm going to challenge you to, to think about the way that Jesus did this, right? How did Jesus minister to lost people? Well, he did preach sermons, certainly. He, he did, but um, in the in the Gospels, we have a little bit of Jesus' teaching, right? And even a lot of that is is in, in parables, and most of the parables, to be honest, weren't for the crowds. Who was Jesus really talking to then? Someone said it. The disciples, that's right. So a lot of Jesus' teaching was actually for, for 12 people. And the others that followed around with him as well, but most of what he did to share his message, to share the gospel of love and grace with people was through his actions. Think about this with me, right? So one of the things the Pharisees condemned Jesus for was for hanging out with sinners and prostitutes, right? They wanted, they wanted to put him to death because he was hanging out with the bad people. And Jesus' response is, listen, listen, I'm not here for the healthy. I'm here for the sick. Think about his um, one-on-one ministry of sharing the gospel as well, right? He's walking down the road one day and he sees a wee little guy up in the tree. What was that guy's name? Zacchaeus. That was for the kids' benefit, guys, whoever answered over here. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Zacchaeus, he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. And he, and he doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, you're a sinner. But thankfully, um, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to save you. You know, if you embrace me with faith, then by grace you can be saved. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't lay out the theology for him. What does he do? He says, hey, Zacchaeus, we're having dinner tonight. I'm going to hang out with you. And so Jesus models for us how we can point people to him. And that's kind of our, our philosophy here, right? Our, our slogan, if you will. Love is why we're here. And that's what we can do as we go through life, where we live, where we work, where we play. We have the ability to point people to Jesus simply by being full. Let love, joy, peace, patience, let that pour out of you in your life. Jesus has already given us his Holy Spirit, and so we share those things with other people, and here's what happens. As we share that with other people, they're attracted to that. Who doesn't want to be around someone who has love, or joy, or who is patient, or who has peace, kindness, goodness? Of course, it's attractive, and all of a sudden, We attract people with the fruit of the spirit in our life. And then people want to know, hey, what is different? What's different about that guy, Bill Giggy? Why is he smiling all the time? I I mean, maybe he's crazy, but I don't know what's going on. There's something special about that guy and people want what that is. And that's how we point people to Jesus. Jesus. We don't have to know or say or have all of the right words. We simply share love, share the love of Christ that he's overwhelmed us with, with everyone we meet. And you watch. In fact, I, I, I dare you to do this. I dare you to say to God, God, give me the opportunity to share your love with someone this week. And you watch what he'll do. You watch the people that he'll cross your path with. You watch the opportunities that will come right before your eyes, and you'll see that simply by loving the people in your life, how you'll have the opportunity to point them to Jesus. That's what he asks us to do, right? He says, love me with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself, and tell people about me. Share my love with the world. Amen.
0: Could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we do. To Jesus, the name above every other name.
2: Jesus, the
0: only one who could ever say you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Holy, there is no the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.